Hello and welcome once again to Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. I'm Valerie Silvera. And in today's episode, I want to share with you is kind of some of my journey to living courageously and how I developed it and really from the perspective of my daughter's murder. And I know that might for those of you who haven't followed my story a lot, maybe that kind of bothers you to hear my daughter's murder. I mean, of course, that's kind of a disturbing thing to hear about. But stick with me, because if I can develop courage through dealing with my daughter's murder, my firstborn child, my only daughter, then I think that you can use some of this insight. And there's no question in my mind that you can learn to live courageously. Courage is probably the most important thing that I can impress upon people to work on. In fact, you go to ValerieSilvera.com or go to MyCourageousLife.com directly and get the Courageous Living Program. It's really going to help you with these nine actions. I call them the nine actions, and they can be used to battle a beast, to overcome just about anything. And it'll be a guided program that'll help you to start living courageously because courage is what's holding us back from so many things. And, you know, I don't want you to get to the end of your life and say, wow, I wish I would have done this. I could have done that. I should have done that. What was I thinking? And now I'm out of time, which, by the way, a recent podcast I wrote said it's called Fearless After 50, and it's three reasons why it's never too late. You might want to check that out. But that's what's going to happen to you. You're going to have these regrets if you don't get on board and start learning how to live courageously. I mean, I doubt that many people would disagree that losing a child is one of the most devastating events a person could endure. There's no question about it. I've, trust me, I've been through a lot. My my most recent book is called Still Standing, and it's it's really how I overcame a lot of things. And and. So if you read that book, you'd know I've been through a lot of challenges in my life. Absolutely. But nothing has come even close, not even close by a mile to losing my daughter first for 15 years to addiction. That was losing her over and over again. But then losing her ultimately to such a tragic, um, violent way. You know, she was murdered. And, and so... You know, there's no question about that. Search the internet and you'll find countless articles about grief, depression, and the lifelong impact of outliving a child. We're not supposed to outlive our children. It's it's really out of order, isn't it? It's out of the natural order of things. My daughter Jamie lived for 30 years, seven months, and four days. She spent half her life in addiction and danger, unbelievably, she survived a near-fatal gunshot wound at the hands of her ex-boyfriend when she was 18. She was murdered 12 years and 12 days after that. I mean, it's so weird. I don't even know anybody else who's had anybody who was shot in their life. I mean, unless somebody was in the military. Nobody. And my daughter was shot twice? We didn't live in, in a place where bullets were flying. I mean, it's really almost unbelievable. Even though she lived in that addiction, her death was still very unexpected. Was there a high likelihood she would overdose? And did I understand there was danger? Of course. But I fully believed that she would beat her addiction. But then this one man made a choice one day. 
On a summer night in August of 2016, he removed Jamie's choice. She was unarmed and defenseless, and he shot her multiple times in the chest, and she succumbed almost immediately, thankfully, to her injuries. I mean, we just don't expect to bury our children. And when that occasional thought enters your mind, oh my gosh, you push it away, right? I can remember when my kids were little, and I would think if anything ever happened to them, it would make me physically sick. I didn't think I could live through it. Life is full of uncertainty. And we, when we're unsure, we head into fear mode. As I'm recording this, we're in the middle of that coronavirus, COVID-19. It's left the whole world unsettled and scared. All sorts of things going on in the United States right now with division and all sorts of violent protests and people being ambushed. And there's a lot of scary stuff going on. What we're currently experiencing in this world is nothing most of us have ever dealt with. So we're unprepared. Just like when my daughter died, I was unprepared. doesn't matter how long she'd been in her addiction. I was completely unprepared. So even if we were able to prepare for something like this, would it eliminate the fear? I don't know. I mean, I was prepared as I probably could be because I'm in, you know, because of the work that I do and the books and, and coaching other people. But it didn't completely eliminate the fear. I still had a fear of my daughter dying. If it were possible to turn back the hands of time and change history, I would do it in a heartbeat. Jamie would be alive and healthy. But that's not possible. So I made a choice. And this is what I want you to do. I choose to allow a situation that could have taken me down for good instead to make me stronger. Most of us by a certain age have experienced heartbreak, betrayal, disappointment, and loss, really by any age. They just typically get to be bigger events the older we get, and we typically have more of them the older we get, of course. You can choose to turn grief and anguish into purpose. It's a choice, my friend, because it would be actually easier for me to roll up in a ball and cry the days away missing my daughter. It would be easier than fighting through it. Now that I'm on the other side of that, I actually think it would be harder for me to go back and be that way. But I've just, I've learned so many things living on that roller coaster from hell with my daughter's addiction and even in her murder. And so I want to share them with you in hopes that you can use them to help you navigate the current world events, what's going on in your own personal life and whatever comes in the future. The first thing I learned is that time is precious. Hey, my, listen, my friends, nobody's getting out of this thing alive. That I know for sure. I don't know a whole lot of things, but that one I know for sure. I always knew that. But in younger years, it always seemed that time was on my side. Even though I'd lost loved ones and was well into my 50s, I really didn't fully appreciate how precious time is until I lost my daughter. When, I mean, when I got that knock on the door, I mean, with almost unbearable news that my daughter was brutally murdered, it was so weird. Time stood still for a brief moment. But let's face it. 
the clock didn't stop. It may have felt like it stopped for me, but it didn't. The clock just keeps ticking, keeps ticking. The hands of time keep moving no matter what we're going through. And then it's so weird. as It was almost as if making up for that standstill that I had, the clock seems to now be moving faster and faster. It could just be my age. I don't know. I, I mean, I really did value time before Jamie's death, but not like I value it now. Listen, at some point, each of us will have our number called. We don't know what day that'll be, what moment, or how it will happen. I mean, and this fact might scare you a bit, but don't allow it to scare you. Use it as an opportunity for you to begin to value every precious moment of your life. Don't take one second for granted, no matter what's going on. The other thing I learned is that control is an illusion. Most of our lives is out of control. Most of the things that happen, the events, the occurrences, driving down the road, most of the things that go on in our lives are outside of our control. And we don't like that. We don't like feeling out of control. So we white knuckle grip as many things as we can, right? We just grab all the things and sometimes people in order to feel some sense of control. I mean, we do, we impact people's lives. Don't get me wrong. We do. We have an impact on them, but we don't directly control the weather, the government, the economy. We have zero control of those cars on the road. We can't control what others think or say or do. We literally have zero control over other people. Most of what you are trying desperately to cling to will slip through your fingers. There is good news in all of this, though. When you give up your false sense of control, you'll be free to control what you can. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm telling you it's true. When you stop trying to control the things you can't, it will be the most freeing thing because now you can start focusing on the things you can control, which are really simple. Maybe not simple to do, but the list is simple. Your thoughts, your words, and your actions. That's the number one thing you can control. Really, it's you. So it's not just enough to say, well, I can't control things. Okay, that I can't control things. I'm going to let go. You've got to get to this next point that you do have control of yourself. And because sometimes we've allowed our thoughts to become so negative and self-defeating that it seems like we don't have control over them, right? They just pop in and even words pop out of our mouths. And it seems as if we don't have control over them. And it's our subconscious. Well, it's true. You have way more subconscious thoughts, far more than you do conscious thoughts. But the more you begin to take captive your conscious thoughts, the more you consciously think about what you should be thinking about and move away from the negative, self-defeating, hopeless, helpless thoughts, the more your subconscious will follow. You can even control your feelings. Now, it's interesting because I was talking about this the other day on a Facebook Live and somebody said, you can't control your feelings, but you can control your response to them. That is somewhat true, but I really want to take it a bit further because I do think you can control your feelings most of the time. Now, it's true that we all have experienced overwhelming feelings with zero conscious thought, right? Feelings that just come out of nowhere. Just, I mean, this happens to me occasionally. I'll think of my Nana 
who died in 1989. And the moment she popped into my head, I re I'll realize that it's a smell. Typically, it's a smell with my Nana. It might be something cooking because I always loved her food. Or it could be a smell of a flower or something like that. It's kind of weird. It's like this emotion just comes. And um, the other day, I was, I was on a bike ride listening to music. And Vince Gill's song, Go Rest High on That Mountain, played. And immediately, tears are streaming down my face anytime I listen to that song. Because it reminds me of Jamie and that hole in my heart just really feels that song. I've had plenty of overwhelming emotions just come out of nowhere. So, so yes, I'm acknowledging that feelings come out of nowhere. So how is it then that I'm going to sit here and tell you that you can control your feelings? Okay, you might not be able to control them all of the time. Those out of the blue moments will come, but you still get to decide. Like that person said on the Facebook Live the other day, you get to decide what you do with those feelings. So for instance, with the grief that comes having to do with Jamie, when it grabs me and I know I need, you know, the whole my heart needs attention, I just give it attention. I cry. I might sob for a few minutes. Then I get back up and go about my day. I embrace the whole of my heart, but I'm careful not to allow it to spiral me into depression. So even if feelings that come from minor setbacks or disappointments leave you reeling, you can get out of that quickly. Just don't allow them to take over your day and spiral you into darkness. Even though some feelings come out of nowhere, for the most part, you can control your feelings because you can control your thoughts. Another thing that, you know, I really came to appreciate more after Jamie's death was adjusting my focus. And for those of you that have followed me since my first book, Still Standing After All the Tears, and you know about the nine actions, one of the actions is to adjust your focus. So why did it take Jamie's death for me to appreciate it? Who knows? Life experiences always help us move us along. And so, you know, what we, what we focus on becomes magnified. So just, I want you to really get that deep down inside. The more you think about an unfair situation, the more trapped you become in victim land. Right? I always issue this warning. Lives lived out on social media may appear better than they really are. And that's typically true on social media because people are posting their highlight reels. Well, now so social media is just crammed with negativity and election stuff and division and anger and just all sorts of stuff. I'd like to issue a new warning. News reported on social media may not be true. We've got to really be mindful of what we focus on and what we listen to and what we're being bombarded with. When you hear something enough, you tend to believe it. So be mindful to guard your thoughts. And I've really come to appreciate that more and more after Jamie's murder and certainly during these crazy events in the United States and beyond. Another thing that I learned and that I want you to learn is that you are stronger than you think. People will often say to me, well, I wish I was as strong as you, Valerie, to which I would reply, I used to wish I was as strong as me too. It has taken work. Yeah, I mean, sure, certain people are more courageous than others by nature. You know, some people were fortunate enough to have parents who instilled a high degree of confidence in them. 
Uh, many of us, though, have had courage forced out of us by those two by fours that hit us upside the head. You know what? Decades ago, when I believed I could control the outcome of my life, I would not have imagined many of the things I've experienced. Couldn't have even imagined it. I wasn't going to allow it. I mean, the, the thought of, of losing a child was unbelievable. The, the, even the, the notion that one of my kids would, would be an addiction? No way. The massive betrayal by a friend who stole our savings? I couldn't even imagine being duped like that. Being under financial stress when I'm such a hardworking person and work with such integrity? No, that, that couldn't have seemed like it would be my life path. The murder of my daughter? No way. But I also am sure I could not have imagined myself as a warrior. But guess what, my friends? That's exactly what I am. You, too, can not only make it through whatever life tosses your way, but you can stand stronger than ever. Not in spite of your experience, but because of it. I mean, use it. God doesn't waste anything. Use what has happened to you. The last thing that I want to share with you, the last thing that lesson that's really knocked me over the head after Jamie's murder is that peace is possible right in the middle of the storm. I mean, when she was in her addiction, I just wanted everything to stop. It, it didn't even occur to me that I could have peace. I just knew it had to stop. If her addiction would stop, I could have peace. I knew people like my friend Teresa who seemed to at peace all the time, although she probably wasn't. She has massive faith in God, not the wavering kind like I seem to have. You know, so I'd heard about this peace that surpasses understanding. I heard about people like Teresa. I've seen them. I've witnessed it. And after 13 years of terror, living on the roller coaster from hell, I just decided to see if I could find even a moment of peace. And what I learned is that God is the author of peace, but we have to meet him somewhere on the road to peace. I hear people all the time say, I'm just praying for peace. I'm just praying for peace. But they constantly choose chaotic situations. We have to do our part. So, I mean, I don't have perfect peace all the time, not even close. I don't know if it's that peace that surpasses all understanding that the Bible talks about, but it's definitely peace that surpasses my understanding. But it has taken work. Don't get me wrong about this. Losing a child is the worst thing I could have imagined. Jamie's death and the 15-year nightmare of her addiction are things I didn't think they'd happen to me. Never did, but they did happen to me. So there, I was standing at a crossroads with two choices. I could live out my days in depression and hopelessness, or I could choose to fight. I decided to choose to fight and live my life as an example of hope and healing. It's the least I can do to honor my daughter, Jamie. You should do the same because the people in your life are watching you and they need to be inspired by your heroism. Stand up. Step out as a woman or man of courage and know that when you do, you're not going to be alone because I will be standing right there with you. Make sure that you're in my Still Standing Sisterhood Facebook group. I highly encourage you to join a 21-day mindset reset. That could be the most important 21 days of your life. 
You can find that at stillstandingmindset.com. Get my Courageous Life program. That's at mycourageouslife.com. You can find everything at valeriesilvera.com. Get connected with me. Get connected with people like me, warriors, battling. Because no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. And your story matters so much more than you can imagine. It matters. So live it courageously. Mm -hmm.